Well, good evening. My name is Babatunde Aoyogena, if I've not met you yet. And uh, this evening, it is my privilege to, um, to look into the Word of God in Psalm 137 with you. And so, if you have a copy of the Bible here or using the Pew Bibles, um, turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 137. And that can also be found on page 521 of the Pew Bibles. Psalm 137. It reads, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Well, these are striking words to read in the scriptures. And I think this is often what we refer to as an imprecatory psalm, that is to call down judgment or to invoke God's judgment on a people. This is what this psalm is doing here. And it immediately makes us wonder, what would motivate such strong language? Well, in order to understand this psalm, we need to kind of rewind a little bit. We need to go back in history to understand what exactly led up to this very moment that we just read about. As we do that, we arrive upon a scene of devastation that's found in the book of Lamentations, chapter 4. There, the prophet Jeremiah describes in detail what led up to this very moment. There we see and we hear the cries of a newborn screaming of thirst, but his cries go unanswered. We see young or small children who should be happy at home roaming the streets begging for bread. We see the once mighty and wealthy found searching in garbage dumps for food just to survive. They're unrecognizable, they look pale, they look like skeletons barely recognizable because of the famine and starvation that has come upon the land. Disease, Physical ailments, blindness are everywhere. We see people cooking food over excrement. Most hard of all, we see women who were once thought compassionate have boiled and cooked their own children just to ensure their own survival. Well, this is only a bit of what Jeremiah described in the book of Lamentations, chapter 4, reflecting and lamenting over the destruction of Jerusalem. Because of their rebellion against God, in the latter part of the 6th century, around 589 BC, sometime around this year, King Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem, which resulted in the destruction of the city, the destruction of the temple. Tens of thousands of Jews were de deported to Babylon. Among them was the very psalmist 
whose words we just read. Now, we may not know very much about the psalmist. Uh, this history or this background can help us understand this anger, this anguish that is being expressed in this psalm, the pain that we see here. In light of the exile, we can understand his anger. And we can understand this question that the psalmist has posed for our consideration this evening. After all that has happened to the Hebrews, the psalmist asks the question, how can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Delray Baptist Church, I would submit to you that the question is even broader than this. What the psalmist wants to know is, how do God's people live as strangers and exiles in a foreign land? Delray Baptist Church, I don't want you to hear this evening, this, this passage as we walk through it as some detached perspective that happened to a people long ago that does not apply to us. No, I think this very question applies to you, applies to us, to everyone who names the name of Christ. It applies to us specifically. Well, how do we know that? Consider the words of the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. As sojourners and exiles, Peter establishes the identity of God's people as exiles and foreigners. So we find in this psalm the answer to that very question, which we're considering tonight, and that is how God's people should live as strangers and exiles in a foreign land. First, we see that as strangers and exiles, God's people long for home. Second, we see in this psalm that as strangers and exiles, God's people remember their true allegiance. Third, we see that as strangers and exiles, God's people hope for the day of deliverance. So first, let's consider that as strangers and exiles, God's people long for home. And we find that in verses 1 to 4. Look there, if you will. The psalmist says, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? The picture he paints for us immediately is this picture of deep anguish and sorrow. It's set in the context between the Tigris and the Euphrates in Babylon, these waters that flow through Babylon, which is now modern-day Iraq, or the southern Iraq. See, Babylon at the time would have been the superpower of the day. These waters would have facilitated trade and commerce, economic prosperity. One might have even heard the term or the expression Babylonian exceptionalism. But the psalmist and fellow exiles could care less about these things. What he paints for us is that they're sitting there in anguish upon what? Upon remembering Zion. That word Zion refers to the hill of Jerusalem where the, the temple was, where the city, which was the city of David. The psalmist doesn't say specifically what they remembered, but we can imagine, can't we? 
They probably remembered the beauty of the temple of the Lord, the worship of the true and living God. They remembered the songs that they sang, the, the musical in instruments, the, the lyres, the stringed instruments they played in worship to their God. But here, joy has been turned into deep sorrow, into weeping, into anguish. And now we see them homesick. They're likely being mocked by the Babylonians, who, who the text says required songs and mirth, or joyful expression. Clearly, their hearts are not into it, right? They have tasted and seen the beauties of God's presence, of his temple, and there is nothing that this foreign land that can, can offer them. Babylon's temples of Baal cannot compare with the temple of the true and living God. We see in a foreign land, the people of God feel a longing for home. Second, we see that as strangers and exiles in a foreign land, God's people remember their true allegiance. Look there in verse 5 to 6. The psalmist says, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth, if I do not remember you. If I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Now I would ask, why do you think the psalmist would make such a resolve or such a vow? Well, just consider Babylon. As I said earlier, it was the superpower of the day, right? The land knew much economic prosperity. Their gross domestic product or GDP experienced consecutive quarters of growth. No economic downturns in sight. Unemployment rate was the lowest in decades certainly helped by pillaging going on. It had a strong national security, strong national defense. The Babylonians had opportunities to share in the Babylonian dream, as it were. The culture had made it acceptable to indulge in just about every pleasure, even as part of worship to Baal. All one had to do was assimilate to conform, you know, just enjoy life not go too deep in religion, when in Babylon, do like the Babylonians do. And that's exactly what some of the Jewish exiles did. But this psalmist knew the dangers of going native. How pursuing the Babylonian dream for its own sake makes one forget his or her own true identity. So here the psalmist resolves to remember. He vows to never forget his true country. Third, we see that as strangers and exiles, God's people hope for the day of deliverance. And that's found here in verses 7 through 9. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem. How they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Now this is a hard passage. There's no doubt about it. Here we see that the, the psalmist first turns attention to the Edomites. Now, now the Edomites were descendants of Esau, right? So if we remember this, this war between Esau and Jacob that was was spoken about long ago, the two nations would, were at war within the womb. 
and the descendants of Esau, who is also called Edom, would be the Edomites, that is Israel's nearest neighbors to the south, and then the descendants of Jacob, or, or the Israelites, or uh, in this case here, Judah. The Edomites, we see in this passage, participated or were accomplices to the destruction or the pillaging of Jerusalem. The prophet Obadiah tells us that the Edomites, Judah's closest neighbors to the south, did, did not just stand, stand aside, but actually participated in Jerusalem's fall. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 10 to 11. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. That's what verse 8 is referring to here. That day of Jerusalem that that the psalmist remembers like it was yesterday, the trauma involved. The psalmist turns his attention back to Babylon when he says, O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Right? So this, this language of daughter Babylon, is, it's referring just to Babylon, just as Israel or um, Israel could be referred to also as, as daughter Zion, as we see in, in the Psalms as well. It's, it's referring to, to Babylon and, and what is going to come upon it. There in verse 9, when we get to verse 9, we see this imprecatory prayer, right? Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. Why would the psalmist speak so harshly? Well, we need a little bit more context there as well. You see, in this ancient times, when these armies conducted warfare, one of the most cruel and heinous acts that they did, besides putting the people to the sword and, and taking them in captivity or bondage, was a very wicked act. They would, took, they would take the small children and dash them against the rocks dashed them to the ground in hopes that they would not grow up to take revenge for what they did to their, to their parents. And it would terrorize their parents into submission, this, this cruel act of warfare. And so when the psalmist speaks with such language, he's saying essentially what was done to us, he's speaking with hope that the God of justice, the God of righteousness, will take vengeance on behalf of Judah. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So the psalmist hopes is ultimately in, in the Lord. He still hopes amidst the sorrow that God will carry out justice. Sorrow may last for a while, but the psalmist keeps his hope on the Lord. As I said earlier, Psalm 137 applies to the people of God. We are the exiles and foreigners in a foreign land. But you see, Psalm 137 is also about Jesus Christ. The psalmist's cry for justice, for deliverance, is ultimately fulfilled in none other than Jesus the Christ. Well, how do we know this? Well, God said it. Luke 24, verse 44, Then he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets 
and the Psalms must be fulfilled. First Peter chapter 1, verse 24 to 25, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See, the psalmist's cry for justice did not go unheard. While God's command was the cause of Judah's suffering, as, as foretold by Jeremiah and other prophets, as foretold of their devastation which came to pass, God would not forget his people. According to his appointed time, he would later bring judgment upon Babylon itself, which would ultimately fall, just as nations rise and nations fall. But not only Babylon, but every power that sets itself against the God of the universe and his elect, his people. We need to understand that behind every trial, every anguish, every sorrow, every suffering, every geopolitical event, the grand strategist is at work. See, by his will and command, they may have been foreigners and exiles, but their king will remember his people. He will hold fast to his people as they live as strangers and exiles among all the empires of the world, the Babylons and the nations and the empires to come after that. After the Babylonian Empire, then the Persians, then the Greeks, then Rome, the Byzantines, the Neo-Persians, every caliphate, the Ottomans, the European powers, the UK, the United States, and every nation throughout all of history. God will remember his people, his foreigners and exiles in the foreign land. But his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. He will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom there will be no end. This psalm is about Jesus. And so, DRBC, Delray Baptist Church, what I want us to do is draw some applications, three applications from this psalm. The first is recognize, recognize who you are and whose you are. Recognize that you our sojourner and exile in this world. Don't be alarmed, don't be surprised when this world causes you pain, grief, disappointment, when you find yourself weary of this world and longing for a better country. It's by design. You're not supposed to feel at home here. As Shailin put it, wake up, you're alive. See, I love how C.S. Lewis describes how we feel as Christians in this foreign land. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they were only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. Second, resolve not to assimilate or conform in Babylon. Lewis goes on, he says, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country which I shall not find until after death. 
I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. You see, try as we may, no Christian will ever find ultimate fulfillment in anything this world has to offer. Not in election cycles, not in investments, not in anything that we can do here in this world. Yes, seek the welfare of the city in which you dwell, but never forget that we belong to a better country. Third, thirdly, or finally, rejoice in the coming salvation. See, as Christians, we are blessed to see all of human history in view of the resurrection. See, we get to see his story in light of the cross, in light of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is soon coming a day when our banishment will be no more. We will no longer be strangers and exiles in a foreign land, for God has promised he will bring his people home to the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. What could this foreign land offer that is better than that? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have just read in your word weighty truths from the Psalms, Lord. Father, we just ask you, Lord, to, to help us in this, Lord. It is so easy to get caught up and wrapped up in seeking to even conform to Babylon. Lord, may our worship and our songs and our desire and our aims be truly and only for you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to recognize that we are yours, that we belong to a better country, and to make it our main objective, Lord, to pursue dwelling with you forever in the place that you are preparing for us even now. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.